Hey, this is Mary Christopher, and this is story time. I think we're getting back on track with our story, The Sword in the Stone, which is about when Arthur, King Arthur, was growing up and Merlin was his tutor. Part of the difficulty with this particular book is that the chapters are of uneven length. And this chapter is long. So I'm going to read about 20, 21 pages. And then hopefully sometime this week I can finish the chapter, depending on how crazy my schedule is. But I will do my best. And I deeply appreciate your patience with this. So we're on chapter 8. It was a cold, wet evening, such as may happen even toward the end of August, and the wart did not know how to bear himself indoors. He spent some time in the kennels talking to Caval, then wandered off to help them turn the spit in the kitchen. But there it was too hot. He was not forced to stay indoors because of the rain, by his female supervisors, as happens too frequently to the unhappy children of our generation. But the mere wetness and dreariness in the open discouraged him from going out. He hated everybody. Confound the boy, said Sir Hector. For goodness sake, stop moping by that window there and go and find your tutor. When I was a boy, we always used to study on wet days, yes, and educate our minds. Wart is stupid, said Kay. Ah, run along, my duck, said their old nurse. I hadn't got time to attend to thy mopsies now, what with all this sorbent washing. Now then, my young master, said Hob, let thee run off to thy quarters. And stop confusing they fowls. Nah, nah, said the sergeant. You're op off art of here. I got enough to do a polishing of this berlady armor. Even the dog boy barked at him when he went back to the kennels. Wart draggled off to the tower room where Merlin was busy knitting himself a woolen nightcap for the winter. I cast off two together at every other line, said the magician, but for some reason it seems to end too sharply, like an onion. It is the turning of the heel that does one every time. I think I ought to have some education, said the wart. I can't think of anything to do. You think that education is something which ought to be done when all else fails, inquired Merlin nastily, for he was in a bad mood too. Well, said the wart, some sorts of education. Mine, asked the magician with, a, with flashing eyes. Oh, Merlin, exclaimed the wart without answering, please give me something to do because I feel so miserable. Nobody wants me for anything today, 
and I just don't know how to be sensible. It rains so. You could learn to knit. Could I go out and be something, a fish or anything like that? You have been a fish, said Merlin. Nobody with any go needs to do their education twice. Well, could I be a bird? If you knew anything at all, said Merlin, which you do not, you would know that a bird does not like to fly in the rain because it wets its feathers and makes them stick together. They get bedraggled. I could be a hawk in Hobbes Muse, said the wart stoutly. Then I could be indoors and not get wet. That is pretty ambitious, said the old man, to want to be a hawk. You know you will turn me into a hawk when you want to, shouted the wart, but you like to plague me because it is wet. I won't have it. Hoity, toity. Please, said the wart, dear Merlin, turn me into a hawk. If you don't do that, I shall do something. I don't know what. Merlin put down his knitting and looked at his pupil over the top of his spectacles. My boy, he said, you shall be everything in the world, animal, vegetable, mineral, or virus for all I care before I have done with you. But you will have to trust to my superior backside. The time is not ripe for you to be a hawk. For one thing, Hob is still in the mews feeding them. So you may as well sit down for a moment and learn to be a human being. Very well, said the wart, if that's a go, and he sat down. After several minutes, he said, is one allowed to speak as a human being or does the thing about being seen and not heard have to apply? Everybody can speak. That's good, because I wanted to mention that you have been knitting your beard into the nightcap for three rows now. Well, I'll be... I should think the best thing would be to cut off the end of your beard. Shall I fetch some scissors? Why didn't you tell me before? I wanted to see what would happen. You run a grave risk, my boy, said the magician, of being turned into a piece of bread and toasted. With this, he slowly began to unpick his beard, muttering to himself meanwhile, and taking the greatest precautions not to drop a stitch. Will it be as difficult to fly, asked the wart when he thought his tutor had calmed down as it was to swim. You will not need to fly. I don't mean to turn you into a loose hawk, but only to set you in the muse for the night so you can talk to the others. That is the way to learn, by listening to the experts. Will they talk? They talk every night, deep in the darkness. They say about how they were taken, about what they can remember of their homes, 
about their lineage and the great deeds of their ancestors, about their training and what they have learned and will learn. It is military conversation, really, like you might have in the mess of a crack cavalry regiment. Tactics, small arms, maintenance, bedding, famous hunts, wine, women, and song. Another subject they have, he continued, is food. It is a depressing thought, but of course they are mainly trained by hunger. They are a hungry lot, poor chaps, thinking of the best restaurants where they used to go and how they had champagne and caviar and gypsy music. Of course, they all come of noble blood. What a shame that they should be kept prisoners and be hungry. Well, they do not really understand that they are prisoners any more than the cavalry officers do. They look on themselves as being dedicated to their profession, like an order of knighthood or something of that sort. You see, the membership of the Muse is, after all, restricted to the raptors, and that does help a lot. They know that none of the lower classes can get in. Their screen perches don't carry blackbirds or such trash as that. And then, as to the hungry part, they are far from starving or that kind of hunger. They are in training, you know. And like everybody in strict training, they think about food. How soon can I begin? You can begin now, if you want to. My insight tells me that Hob has this minute finished for the night. But first of all, you must choose what kind of hawk you would prefer to be. I should like to be a Merlin, said the wart politely. This answer flattered the magician. A very good choice, he said. And if you please, we, we will proceed at once. The wart got up from his stool and stood in front of his tutor. Merlin put down his knitting. First you go small, said he, pressing him on the top of his head until he was a bit smaller than a pigeon. Then you stand on the ball of your toes, bend at the knees, Hold your elbows to your sides, lift your hands to the level of your shoulders, and press your first and second fingers together as also your third and fourth. Look, it is like this. With these words, the ancient magician stood on tiptoe and did as he had explained. The wart copied him carefully and wondered what would happen next. What did happen was that Merlin, who had been saying the final spells under his breath, suddenly turned himself into a condor, leaving the wart standing on tiptoe unchanged. He stood there as if he were drying himself in the sun with a wing spread of about 11 feet a bright orange head, and a magenta carbuncle. He looked very surprised and rather funny. 
Come back, said the wart. You have changed the wrong one. It is this by Our Lady's spring cleaning, exclaimed Merlin, turning back into himself. Once you let a woman into your study for half an hour, you do not know where to lay your hands on the right spell. Not if it was ever so. Stand up and we will try again. This time, the now tiny wart felt his toes shooting out and scratching on the floor. He felt his heels rise and stick out behind and his knees draw into his stomach. His thighs became quite short. A web of skin grew from his wrists to his shoulders while his primary feathers burst out in soft blue quills from the ends of his fingers and grew quickly. His secondaries sprouted along his forearms and a charming little false primary sprang from the end of each thumb. The dozen feathers of his tail with the double-decked feathers in the middle grew out in the twinkling of an eye and all the covert feathers of his back and breast and shoulders slipped out of the skin to hide the roots of the more important plumes. Wart looked quickly at Merlin, ducked his head between his legs, and had a look through there, rattled his feathers into place, and began to scratch his chin with the sharp talon of one toe. Good, said Merlin. Now hop on my hand and uh, be careful. Don't grip and listen to what I have to tell you. I shall take you into the mews now that Hob is locked up for the night. And I shall put you loose and unhooded beside Balin and Balin. Now pay attention. Don't go close to anybody without speaking first. You must remember that most of them are hooded and might be startled into doing something rash. You can trust Balin and Balin, also the Kestrel and the Sparhawk. Don't go within reach of the Falcon unless she invites you to. On no account must you stand beside Cully's special enclosure, for he is unhooded and will go for you through the mesh if he gets half a chance. He is not quite right in his brains, poor chap. And if he once grips you, you will never leave his grip alive. Remember that you are visiting a kind of Spartan military mess. These fellows are regulars. As the junior subaltern, your only business is to keep your mouth shut, speak when you are spoken to, and not interrupt. I bet I'm more than a subaltern, said the wart, if I'm a Merlin. Well, as a matter of fact, you are. You will find that both the kestrel and the sparhawk will be polite to you. But for all sakes' sake, don't interrupt the senior Merlins or the falcon. She is the honorary colonel of the regiment, 
And as for Cully, well, he is a colonel too, even if he is infantry. So you must mind your P's and Q's. I will be careful, said the wart, who was beginning to feel rather scared. Good. I shall come for you in the morning before Hob is up. I'm going to stop here because the part where the wart is in the mews with the other raptors is long and very interesting. So I'm going to stop now and I will finish this chapter sometime this week. Promise. Thanks for listening. Have a great day.